Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm laughing now after that uh, introduction, so uh, doing doing okay. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. It's, in some ways, it's been nice not to have races uh, going on. I think it allows us uh, a little bit more free free reign to uh, to address what's going on. With that in mind, let me ask you a question. Yeah. And I guess this is a Formula One thing. Then when they have practice, why do they have to call it free practice? Is there any other kind of practice in Formula One besides free practice? I don't know the answer to that question. A way of making themselves sound superior and elusive, exclusive. Just reading about the uh, the all-star race that's running at the Mexican Grand Prix this weekend with all the f- former kart guys like Paul Tracy and Michelle Jordan and Adrian Fernandez. And I got to wondering, what does free practice actually mean? Since you're the Formula One expert on this show, I thought I'd ask. Okay, and if you know the answer to this, because I'm not going to bother to look it up, because I, you know, maybe Curb has curiosity, but I don't. But, <laughs> you know, if you want to relieve Curb of his anxiety over not knowing the answer to this, uh, tweet us at, at Hero IndyCar, at H-I-R-O IndyCar. Please do. I'm dying to know. Let's get, let's get to business, Curb. Ferrucci, going to Foyt. Last year, I said Foyt was a disaster because of the driver lineup they had and what they're going on. This year, with Ferrucci, I guess is the incoming veteran, and uh, Peterson is the you know complete rookie. I I don't see that situation getting much better, um, if any better. Uh, the only thing I can say positive about it, and I will say this is positive, is that they finally have jettisoned Dalton Kellett, who was probably dragging them down all along in his own way. Well, I, you know, I think Don Kelly was making a financial contribution to the team, apparently. And, yeah, um, but I think I think that came at a cost to the team and its performance. Well, it, maybe they're just switching out Kelly's money for Peterson's money and hoping that Peterson's a better driver. Well, I think that's legitimate. I just I just question, you know, looking back on it now, like what was the real price of Kellett's, um, you know, yeah, he paid for his ride and he probably paid for the rides of others, but I'm not sure they got it back um, because they've only just sunk lower as a team as the years have gone on. I don't think he contributed anything to the team um, in terms of setups or anything like that. And uh, if you can't tell, Curb, I've really soured on Mr. Kellett. He's gone from a kind of quiet and affable guy to just a, kind of a, a so at one point at one point in time i thought he was your personal hero well i just come on that's extreme the fellow the fellow you aspired to be if you had more money to go goof off and do whatever you wanted to do uh i mean there's a there's a degree of of truth to that i suppose but i mean i i gotta tell you just if i would have done it i would have done it very quietly <laughs> i'm just I'm getting tired. <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm getting tired. Don Kell's tweet. Well, I mean, I, mean I, look, I don't, I don't know if you say he hurt the program because he didn't give, you know, a second driver's worth of feedback or, or input to setups and that kind of thing, then I guess that could be true. Um, but I don't think he really weighed down Kyle Kirkwood or, or Sebastian Bourdais before him, or like even Tony Khan was a teammate of his for a bit. And, uh, I think he had some pretty good races. My point well, is, no, 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 I, stop. What what do all those people have in common? They've all sucked. Uh, work, you know, running with Foyt, Bourdais, probably the best of them. And I blame 
Dalton Kellett. Okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to back up and say that uh, Dalton Kellett did not make Kyle Kirkwood wreck seven times or ten times, Who's whatever, say? in half his races this year. Who's to say that? Who's to say, you I'm know, saying, I'm saying. I, I, I like to, I like to a little bit more camber on my, it kind of seems to be kind of working for me, Kyle. You might want to try that. Okay, I'll give it a go. Boom, right in the wall. Who's to say that didn't happen? Do you think Kyle Kirkwood was listening to Dalton Kellett? No. And and by the way, and well, before yes, him, of before him, Sebastian Bourdais. And then he's going, hey, you know, Kyle, I think your your American justice system is unjust, even though I'm from Canada. <laughs> and so just, got his, just it just threw Kirkwood off and threw him right into the friggin' wall. Got in his head, huh? Got in his head. And I think he did everybody. Canaan, Bourdais. He just, he, in his own diabolical way, got in, his, got in their head. Well, you're really feeling, um, you're, you're without restraints now. There's no no uh, season and, and events to, to shape your podcast uh, topics. Well, that's right. This is freewheeling. I, going back to my original point, I, I think until Foyt, which probably never happened, but until they, like, Put a shop in Indianapolis, consolidate all the thing, dealing with brand new rookies with money. And I know this is all easier said than done. And, you know, they got to maybe hiring Ferrucci is a baby step in this direction, but they're just hamstrung by certain things, which I don't think they'll ever make it unless they, you know, get rid of some of those things. The shop well, in, in, in Texas being the, the biggest one in my mind. All right. But look, as long as AJ's around, they're not going to get rid of that shop. AJ gets to go into the shop whenever he wants to and and uh, and be a part of the program. So it's not going to change. Um, first things first, I think that Ferrucci, if nothing else, will bring the car home more often than not. And if you bring the car home more often than not, then you probably don't finish outside the leader circle next year. And that's probably step one, probably the most important thing he can accomplish for him. Kurt Peacock um, lost $1.7 billion in 2021. And doesn't seem to be on track to do much better in 2022. In fact, might even do marginally worse. Um, <clears throat> I just want to repeat that number. Billion. $1.7 billion. You mean all these streaming uh, services aren't all going to get rich? I, I don't know if it's good for Indy that they're losing money, IndyCar that they're losing money, you know, where they desperately need the programming. Or if it's bad for IndyCars, it's like at some point they're going to say, well, we got to stop losing some money. What can we get rid of? All of these streaming companies you have to all these companies you have to re- reassess, you know, their goals and expectations from streaming. Um, and we as consumers, I have to reassess how much we're going to have to pay for it, um, if that's the case, right? Is there a business proposition there for Peacock that's you know long term that's you know that makes sense? Uh, I, I like I said, I don't claim to have the answer. I'm just asking the question, but it should be noted that the streaming service itself is losing a tremendous amount of money. I would think that IndyCar would not cost them much when you consider that they're showing all the races on network, uh, either network or uh, cable. And it's the actual cost to Peacock for including IndyCar content on there, I would think, would be pretty minimal. Uh, perhaps, Curb, they could add the uh, W Series uh, to their portfolio. Well, I doubt that FIA would want to let that go, do you think? Well, they, they let go of the last two races of the year. I did read that, yeah. yeah. But they're, com- they're they're confident that they'll have a full slate in 2023. They're confident. You know what alerted uh, you know what alerted me to that fact is the cry I heard from California 
the wail of 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 uh, sadness that I heard out of California. Well, you are a lot cl- you are a lot closer than I am. I guess that explains why I didn't hear. Yeah, it, uh, it was it was it was distinctive and just horrible. I haven't I haven't heard uh, anything like that since uh, Miles Rowe lost his uh, ride with uh, Penske. Not even when uh, Rocket pulled out for Tatiana. Yeah, that was. <laughs> those were all I've heard. They were all wails of, of of pain and sadness I heard out of California, but this one seemed to be one of the loudest. Yeah, I don't know. W Series. I mean, you know, I, I I know there's probably money and sponsorship out there for that kind of thing. Just you know, just like the WNBA, right? I mean, you know, the p- people are holding that thing up, but nobody goes to the games and nobody watches them. No, um, I'm surprised that. Formula One or somebody over there didn't step up and and uh, get whatever was needed for W Series to finish their season for all the virtue signaling that they like to do all the time. Nobody ever actually steps up and supports these. You're right, and I think that's a little telling too. We'll see. We'll see how they go. I mean, I'm I'm not going to declare it dead just yet. You mentioned the FIA. I, I I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but what a joke. I mean, they almost. You know, again, they left, uh, you know, uh, a crane truck on the on a live track uh, in Japan, which, if you recall, killed uh, the guy several years ago. Right. Bianchi. Yeah. And the exact thing almost happened again. You know, very similar circumstances, bad weather. And they did the exact same thing. And I'm like, wow, why are people even listening to this organization? I mean, you can just see what a what a political joke that organization must be it's like the ioc right i mean it's just <laughs> one of those kind of organizations it's just must be so fat when filled with a bunch of politically conniving people that just can't get out of their own way as i understand it basically they aren't able to figure out when equipment's on the track or not and <laughs> in a timely fashion and you, for all the technology it would be pretty disconcerting i think yeah the racing, as we've discussed a thousand times here, the racing isn't as good as IndyCar, so it's not captivating in that way. And yeah, maybe all the things around it, which I usually find somewhat interesting, aren't as interesting this year for whatever reason. Um, well, I mean, follow, following last year, there's not. I mean, at least there were two drivers that were made for a compelling championship, and uh, this yep. year there's, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And there's more, more uh, politically correct sniping going on than there is. Uh, competition yeah the uh it was also very interesting to me that um they waited till verstappen sealed the championship and then declared red bull was just slightly over budget (laughs) (laughs) you know that smells a little bit to be honest curb um i pointed out last year and i on this podcast on this very podcast that i was most impressed with um tom bloomquist's uh performance at uh the 24 hours of Daytona. Did you know? I did. It's it's recorded. It's out there for the world. Go back and check it out. I think this guy, uh, you know, he's now he's had this test with Shank, which apparently he did very, very well. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I think this guy is the next Scott McLaughlin. I really do. Well, I hope so. I would think an interesting addition to the, the series. Um, you know, somebody that probably deserves a chance, has deserved a chance for some time, but didn't 
if I remember, if I understand correctly, he was right up there with uh, Verstappen and some other current F1 driver back in their junior days. Yeah. No, I think he's the real deal. As far as I'm concerned, um, they can replace Elio with him right now, but they won't. I, I love a lot of the old guard guys, but uh, some new and interesting fresh blood doesn't hurt either. Yeah. I, I, look, I, what's Elio? 46 now, 47? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. No offense to the guy. I mean, he was super, I mean, well into his 40s, super impressive. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to take away from his achievements, but, you know, anything close to like what a, a year like he had last year or this year, I guess, is the way to put that. You know, it's it's time to go drive sports cars. Yeah. Curb, uh, in other news, uh, after last podcast, I declared it dead to the world. Uh, there's been reports that Drive to Survive for Less is indeed alive. I've not heard much about it other than what we all probably read in Racer Magazine and Racer.com. But good for them if they can pull it off. Uh, I hope that they can create a compelling product with it that, that'll get some attention. Um, I don't think it needs to be a Drive to Survive level success. It just has to, even if it only helps them at the margins, uh, increase their ratings on TV, increase a little bit of attendance at the tracks, catch, in, catch the eye of a sponsor or two, it'd be, it'd be worth it and a success to me. Well, I think you had a very good point last podcast, and I think it's true. It's like IndyCar has to let that be a warts and all program. Oh, yeah. And I, they have this tendency before Penske, but I think it's carried on after Penske, to sanitize everything. And I think that would be a huge mistake with this program. Yes, that would be very boring. It's the world we live in. And uh, if you want to um, be effective with it, you probably need to – be more than just an infomercial for existing IndyCar fans. Curb, um, I think the fan abuse continues, by the way. And I say this when I got my ticket renewal email from the Bomberito, uh, what was it 500? Mm-hmm. Um, where they announced that they're moving from Saturday night to Sunday afternoon. And they're closing the stand down that I was sitting in. Right. Um, I don't care so much about the closing. I kind of understand the closing of the stand out where I was sitting in because there weren't enough people to fill. If the, I think if they stuck the entire, entire crowd in those stands, they still would have filled that stand, much less the other ones. Going to Sunday afternoon when the racing's going to suck and it's going to be hot and the cars aren't going to be able to pass and it's, it's just going to be pedestrian. Again, I know there's all these other things. There's TV, there's this, there's that, and the other thing, but – Stop abusing the fans. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be on this rant. Uh, I think every podcast now. They've got to stop abusing the fans. They got to stop making them sweat. They got to stop making them uh, be bored. It's inexplicable how how far they want to take this. Uh, you know, f- for reasons that are not helping the fans and not helping the on track product. You know, it wasn't that long ago. This race was so successful and popular that some people said it should be the season finale and where this just appears to me and I think to you that they are mismanaging this event into oblivion. Only by the graces of Mr. Bomarito is it probably still on the schedule. And uh, it'd be a real shame if they keep jerking it around. And um, just like Iowa, really, is a much better event at night, much better for the fans in attendance watching the show, too. Short ovals gave enough consideration and place enough importance on the on-track product for both the competition and for the fans in the stands. Around it, maybe you just accept a USA Network slot instead of a 
an NBC slot to get it on Saturday night. And if I was, if I was John Bomarito, I might insist on it. Agreed. Uh, and and how much how much of the drive from Indy crowd are they going to lose? Yeah, come yeah. over on a Sunday afternoon. How many of those people have to work, you know, Monday morning? I'm like, nah, right. you know, I'll watch it on TV. I want to drive four hours to go sit in 90% humidity in 90 degree weather uh, in a race where there'll be no passing and then drive back to Indy, get back at, you know, midnight and go to work the next day. Right. Uh, and, you know, the Indy fans are the hardcore fans. It's, uh, you know, you, you got you, you got to build new fans out there at these tracks to start filling them up. And and it doesn't sound like a recipe for success. No. And, and, and I guess the powers that be all get just just jump on the private plane and they're they're out of there, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I think they just lose touch no. with what what the whole experience is like, you know, for everybody else that's out there. When the ratings come out on Tuesday morning is more important than how many how many butts are in the seats on Sunday afternoon. And I and I get that. I really do. But again, I yeah, don't think you can, I don't think you'd have a series that's just like only on video and like nobody shows up. I, I don't think that works. Well, that's my point is, is every year as the crowd diminishes. Again, non-hardcore indie fans might flip through on the channel and say, well, this is no there's nobody in the stands here. This must be a second rate deal. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. all right. Well, uh, just a warning. I'm going to I'm going to use the term fan abuse a lot, I think, unfortunately, in the upcoming uh, episodes. Curb, uh, on a brighter note, love the fact that Mario Andretti got in a modern-day era uh, Formula One car and took it around for some laps at Laguna Seca. I never saw any coverage of of his actual time in the car. Did you? Yeah, I did. It's out there. You can find it. So it was great. He did an interview <clears throat> with They not too long afterwards. It was so funny because Mario was like you'd expect him to be like oh wow it was really this and that he's like you know i really couldn't get the most out of it he goes i didn't really have the proper seat fitting so i couldn't see my gear i couldn't see the gear i couldn't read what gear it was because the steering wheel was in the way and so you know because the seat wasn't fitted properly and it was in my so i you know i was really bogging down coming out of the corners because i was in the wrong gear so i really kind of left a lot on the table and that's all he could talk about was how much he left on the table in his laps um right and I, I just thought that's really funny that that's his uh, biggest complaint is that he he couldn't he didn't quite get as as much out of it as he could have he left it on left time on the table and the other thing that was kind of really funny at the end I I don't think he could resist he's like yeah he goes I'm you know working on getting my uh, points for my super license <laughs> right. <laughs> So, good for good for him all the way around. Good for Mario, 82 years old, amazing, amazing, amazing. Good for him. I hope the guy lives to 182. He's uh, he's really great. Curb, uh, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I may cut that part out or I may not, but so I'm in a bit of an awkward position here to bring it up. But the the race in Mexico, uh, the F1 race in Mexico, is going to feature a bunch of IndyCar drivers at one of the sessions, like in like you know an old timers race or something like that. I mean that's really cool, and I'm going to watch it. Um, but my question to you is, why are they doing that? My uh, wisecrack answer is going to be to take the spot of the W race that was canceled. But um, mm. uh, more seriously, it sounded to me like there's a heavy Mexican participation in this race for starters. And it's, it's in Mexico. So that makes sense. Um, Michelle Jordan, Adrian Fernandez, uh, guys like that were very popular with Mexican racing fans. The promoter pointed out that 
back during CART's heyday, uh, they had the same kind of response to CART back then that they get now for Formula One. And so I think he's trying to tap into that. Did you, uh, did you see, it was just kind of announced today. Did you see what they're going to be driving? It was some type of sports car, stock car, I think. It was It was not an open, they were not open wheel cars. Mm. Okay. Well, that's a little bit less exciting then. Yeah, but they, it'd be fun to see all those guys out there together again. Great. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before Tracy runs into one of them. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> appeal to the crowd, you know, play to the crowd. And... All right, Curb. I, I, that's it for me. You got anything? Uh, well, I mean, let's see. Marco Andretti is confirmed for the 2023 Indy 500. Okay. Big news, huh? No. No? Okay. Um, Jack Harvey, he's uh, got through his first year blues. He's ready to to uh, blossom next year for RLL racing. I mean, you're a hater, so uh, we'll see, right? It was a terrible year he had. Uh, let's see. what You know, 2024, uh, uh, silly season's already underway here, I guess. Brian Hurd is, or Colton Hurd has signed an extension. Does that surprise you? It did a little bit. I thought it was a little early. I'm sure it has uh, many, many out clauses in there for him to go do something else if if so offered. You know, wouldn't wouldn't you like to keep your options open and have the chance to go to Ganassi or Penske if uh, if such an opportunity was presented to you? I mean, why yeah. why why sign up? Why commit now? There's a intense loyalty there for sure, and I gotta tell you, after how they serviced him or you know, last year, I mean, wow, yeah, I agree. That one's hard to explain from that for that reason alone. Agreed. Do they know something we don't know about? Michael's chances to get into Formula One thought crossed my mind too, but again, it's really hard to to see where that's going to happen. My only thought is, uh, Cambridge, I think, has started to get involved in Formula One some. I think um, they certainly got involved down in Miami. I wonder if they could leverage their money into helping Michael and Colton her to get into Formula One. I don't think so, Curb. I really don't. I think the only thing that gets Andretti in is bringing a engine manufacturer with them. Right. Well, I don't know what he's going to do with his 200,000 square foot shop if he can't get into Formula One. <laughs> okay, since our last show, did we talked about Alex Pelot's, uh contract resolution. Well, I mean, it happened, and we knew what was going on. Yeah, so I think that's that's covered, done, dusted, covered. Are you surprised to see him testing uh, Formula One cars so frequently here this fall? A little bit, yeah. I, I didn't quite expect that. Okay. So what was strange to me about that curb is that Award's going to be in Abu Dhabi and Palau's going to be in Austin. But it seems to me like with all the Mexican fans in Austin, that Award should have done Austin and Palau should should have been in Abu Dhabi. Right? Or, or, you know, maybe an award in Mexico City. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that seat's not open or whatever. But, you know, what I'm saying it was it seemed like the only thing I got to say about it, it seemed a little strange. Yeah, no, I agree. But as you say, uh, I'm sure they have other considerations that, that help them make their decisions. Sure. But more important, more importantly, you now have to pay rapt attention to the race at Coda. Because did you see they're naming the final turn the Andretti turn? <laughs> there you go. Is that a poke in the eye to Michael? <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's, here, it's, you want to be in Formula One here? We'll give you a turn. We'll file that in the next inexplicable, right? Yeah, maybe that's uh, the makeup for uh, what's his face's comments about Mar- uh, Mario earlier in the <laughs> yeah. guy who runs Formula One. 
Sea Devils, oh. whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name either. But uh, that guy, yeah, because he was pretty not very nice. Let's put it that way. Right. All right, Curb, it's time to go. Time to go. Already? Yeah. I was just trying yeah. to find my groove. Well, I'll give you one more groove because I gotta go. <laughs> no, that's fine. Good. That's fine. I'm done. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this rambling, if not, uh, well, rambling, but perhaps enlightening podcast. All right. Have a good one, guys. Hope to talk to you soon. curb i gotta cook i cook dinner what's for dinner uh potato pancakes potato pancakes mm-hmm. are those like uh, hash brown potatoes or no potatoes no no or? it's a jewish thing a jewish thing mm-hmm. they're delicious all right that sounds how long does it take you to prepare potato pancakes not so long. That's, uh, but I mean, I'm even running up against that time because we've rambled on here so much. <laughs> so wait a second. It's like eight o'clock your time. Almost, yeah. You guys always eat a late dinner. Yeah, because I'm doing this goddamn podcast. <laughs>